Shalom, y'all. For those of you who don't think I have a serious bone in my body, my name is Bill, and I'm here to say that Jesus Christ is the only way. You're caught in sin? You want to be free? Sit up close and listen to me. God sent his son, his only son, that victory over sin might be won. So give your life to the Lord today, and you'll start living in a brand new way. Word. It's okay to have fun. Pastor Jack used to say, church should be the, mo- the place where it's most fun in the whole community. And we got a, pretty much got a corner on that, I think. It's been fun studying the word. The first word in the Hebrew Bible is Bereshit, beginnings, obviously, which starts with a B, which is met. The last word in the Bible is amen, which ends with N, which is nun. Bet nun, ben, means son. The whole thing is about the son. We're going to look at Hebrews 11, 1. Andrew's got that. You got that, Andrew? For this is the faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of realities not seen. A lot of times we can't see what God's doing. We can't hear what he's saying to us. We need to pay attention. And sometimes he gives us visual aids. I brought a visual aid this morning. This is a tallit. Jewish prayer shawl, my undertaker. Don't mess up my notes. <laughs> if you flip that page over, I wouldn't be able to know, know what I'm saying. Sometimes my eye tooth gets in the way and I can't see what I'm saying. A Jewish man will always take his prayer shawl and say, Baruch Atah Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam. Blessed are you, king of the universe. He puts it on. That blessing is written on the, on the crown. That reminds us that he crowns us with chesed, loving kindness. And when Jesus was talking to the Jews, he said to go into your prayer closet and pray in secret. They hear their prayer closet right with them. And they would go into their prayer closet and pray. The Lord commanded them to put tassels on the four corners of their garments. So on each corner there's a tassel, and it has a blue thread in it. There are four of them. For the four corners might stand for the tetragrammaton, yod Hey vav Hey, Yahweh. And the blue thread reminds us that he is holy. There are 613 knots in the fringe. It's called a tzitzit. In the corner, where the corner fringes are, are referred to as wings. I think I'm getting tangled up in the mic. When Jesus was on his way to heal Jairus' daughter, a woman came up behind him and touched. Your Bible may say, edge of his robe or the hem of his garment. But what she really touched was his tzitzit. And Jesus said to her, your faith has made you whole. Why? What was her faith in? Her faith was in the word of God and the name of God, which is represented by the tzitzit. Jesus fulfilled all the law. That's a 613 
laws, commands, instructions found in the Torah. Jesus fulfilled them all. He went on to Jairus' house, and the people were weeping, weeping and wailing and carrying on because the girl had died. Now, you've probably all seen on television when somebody dies in a the hospital, they pull the sheet up over their head. Well, the Jews, when somebody died, they would cover them with a tallit. They'd lay a tallit on them. So Jesus kicked out all the naysayers and all got rid of all the negative influences, which some of you have to do in your lives. Get rid of those negative influences. Turn off the news and read your Bible. So he walked into the room, got rid of the, all the negative people, and he said, Talitha Kumai, which means, you want to Talit? Get up. And the little girl got up. We see other references in, in the New Testament to uh, the Talit. A couple weeks ago, Pete talked about Paul being a tent maker. What kind of tent did Paul make? Did you ever think about that? I used to have a 40 by 60 tent. Nobody was going to make one of those by hand. Talit means little tent. So when Paul was talking, being a tent maker, and he would very carefully thread it and make all the knots. He was a Pharisee, a Pharisee of Pharisees. So he knew the art, he knew the craft. And they said cloths were taken from him. It wasn't a handkerchief, it wasn't his work apron, it wasn't his sweatband. The tallits he was making, they'd take them and they'd lay them on people and they'd be healed, they'd be delivered, they'd be raised from the dead. So what do we do today? We look at 2 Corinthians 5.17. Ah, if anybody is in Messiah, you found the right translation. If anybody is in the, if anyone is in the Messiah, he is a new creation, the old Things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. What old things? The sin nature. What's become new? You are dead in your sins and trespasses, but by his spirit he makes us alive. We're alive in the spirit. So the old thing that passed away is the old man. We're supposed to consider ourselves dead to sin because we are. The new that has come is the new man is a saint. If, you, if you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, you're a saint. A lot of people wonder about that, but as you read the New Testament through the Gospels, the disciples were referred to as Talmudim, which is studiers or learners. But after Shavuot, that is Pentecost, they're always referred to as Kedoshim, holy ones. So you're transferred, transformed from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Galatians 2, 19 and 20 confirms that. Starting in about the middle of verse 19, since I have been crucified with Christ and yet I live, but I know it's no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. This life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. You died, but you're alive. But you're not alive. Jesus is alive in you. It's a whole different thing.
Are you alive? A couple weeks, or last week, Harvey re- referred to Second uh, Corinthians 5.17. But the old going and the new coming, they, they came up to Jesus one time and said, what must we do to work the works of God? They'd seen all the things he was doing, healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out demons. Jesus said, this is the work of God, to believe in the one whom he sent. That's it. Believe. We just have to believe. Sounds so simple. I worked the, the ropes course at Beaver Camp. We had high elements. And whenever somebody was on a high element, they were on belay. So I'd have, have them belayed. Well, they'd climb a 40-foot wall, and then they'd either fall off or disengage. Either way, they were off the wall and they were hanging on the end of the rope. And I would look up at him and say, this is what the Bible means to believe. Put your total trust in. Your whole weight, your life is in my hands. If I ever let go of this rope, you crash. But you're believing in the rope, the harness that I tied on you, but you gotta trust Jesus for everything. Can we do that? Can we trust him completely? Ephesians 2.10 says we are created for good works in Messiah Yeshua. We're created in Christ Jesus, Messiah Yeshua, for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we might walk in them. doesn't say we have to do them. We walk in them. Just in your everyday life, you can walk in these. In the uh, mid-1970s, I worked for CBN. Uh, They had five radio stations in New York, and I had everything from Auburn to Albany and Canada to Pennsylvania. It was a bit of territory. Before I got my company car, I had to drive my own vehicle, which was a 68 Ford station wagon, the big 390 V8 four-barrel carburetor, not your typical economy car. I was in uh, Syracuse and had to pick something up and deliver it to Albany. I thought, well, I'll take this away. And I consulted my financial advisor. Don't have enough money for gas and tolls, so I guess I'll take Route 20. And then the thought came again, only it was a little more firm, take the through way. Well, it must be God's up to something. So I went over to get on the through way. So I pulled up the exit on the on-ramp. There was a young fellow there, 18, 19 years old, hitching a ride. Picked him up. So I picked him up. Headed out down the through way. Explained to him my situation that I had to go to Albany and didn't have enough money for gas and tolls. I was just trusting. I took, and I basically, I gave my testimony, how I'd been saved from being a scoundrel. That, that's given me some credit. There was a car on the side of the road with a, a guy with a suit standing there looking at his flat tire. Well, we stopped and changed his tire. He gave us $10. So look at that, I got gas money and toll money. We went a little farther, there was a car on the other side. 
had a flat tire, and we ran over and changed, changed his tire. He gave us $5. I said, look at that. We got money for tolls, gas, and ice cream. <laughs> I was really big on ice cream. I mean, I was really big on ice cream. <laughs> so we were traveling down, so we popped over the top of this hill, and there was the Mohawk Valley in full fall foliage. I said, man, isn't that beautiful? Yeah, he said. So do you realize the guy that I know made all that, and he gives it to us just to enjoy. We can enjoy it. Wow. So I preached, uh, witnessed to him a little more. And we went on down. He went with me to this bookstore where I had to drop some stuff off. We walked in, and the front hall was all covered, plastered with pictures and plaques and posters. It's all about Jesus. I turned to him and said, would you like to know this Jesus I've been talking about? Yeah. And I was learning to pray with my eyes open. So we, we prayed for him, turned, and I was looking at him as we prayed, and it looked like somebody stuffed about a million fireflies in him, and they all went off at the same time. He just lit up when Jesus came into his life. So I headed back, and I said, do you want to go back to central New York? He said, no, I'm going to go up in the Adirondacks and enjoy the beauty of the creator that I just encountered. Went on home, and a few nights later, sometime, I don't know, what, I don't remember what night it was. I was probably doing something spiritual, like watching Monday Night Football, and I heard on the monitor a call for a neighboring department for a boy buried in corn. I'd worked a little construction. I knew about digging people out. I thought, maybe they can use my expertise. If I go to the firehouse and get the rescue truck and take it up there, it's just across the line into the other district, and it's going to take them at least 12 to 15 minutes to get there. So I'll be there ahead of them. So I called the truck out of service and went up. Pulled in, there's this big concrete bunk, outdoor bunker. And the far side of it was an auger that, where they were dumping the corn on the auger. It brought it up and dropped it in another auger that took it up into the barn, in a big bin in the barn. So somebody went up to check, see how full the bin was getting. There was no corn coming. The auger wasn't turning. There was a kid missing, and they figured he had to be under that corn. So I got out, and there were a couple guys up on top of the pile shoveling corn. Of course, half of what they were throwing up was coming right back in on them. I said, get some plywood, push, push it down in for sheathing, shovel over the plywood, and somebody outside on the bottom, pull away the corn that's thrown over the top. And we were digging. I got down on my hands and knees, and I was digging away, and Looked up, there's my pastor. He'd heard me call the fire truck out of service and followed me up there. So we're digging corn like two dogs digging for a bone with a golden ticket in it. Digging, digging, digging. We got down and shouldn't have looked at Paul. There's a little mop of hair, very much like Paul's. And we kept digging, 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 got his head uncovered, got down to his shoulders. It was obvious he was deceased.
My hand shot out, went on top of his head. I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, breathe. Ah! I was amazed. I looked up to see what my pastor thought, and all I saw was butt cheeks and elbows. He was gone. <laughs> I never wanted to talk about it after that. So sometimes we get a gentle leading, a little nudge, and sometimes the spirit just takes over. And as, lo as I look back on it, it wasn't, well, I think I can, or I should. It was the spirit's prompting. Sometimes we just go along and think, eh, whatever. We're just walking in the spirit, walking in obedience. There was a, a lady near us who had cancer. We had a, we had a Bible study at our house when I, was before I went to the pastorate. And she had cancer. They opened her up in Syracuse, couldn't do anything for her. Closed her up, sent her home to get strong. So she went home, got strong. I sent her to Roswell Park in Buffalo. And I don't remember what day of the week it was. I got a phone call, quarter to nine, and they, the, her friend said, they're going to operate on Peg in 15 minutes. Please pray. So... Joanne and I and our oldest daughter sat down at the dining room table and prayed. Said, Lord, when they open her up, let, her, let them find no cancer, no signs of cancer, no sign that cancer's ever been there. Let her be completely healed and clean. Fifteen minutes later, they opened her up. Guess what they found? She was completely healed. The doctors came out and said to her husband, uh, uh, we don't, we don't understand. Yesterday we took these x-rays or whatever imaging they did. And we saw that thing and was, we were figuring out how to, how to attack it. It was gone. She's just as clean and nice inside as anybody that's completely healthy. So what's our commission? To testify. To proclaim the good news. In Matthew 10, 7 and 8, Jesus said we're to go and proclaim the good news. Say that the kingdom of God is near. Near means at hand. And it's like you have cash on hand. It's right there available. You can reach out and touch it. You can reach out and grab it. That's how close the kingdom of God is. He said as you go, pro proclaiming the good news, Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those with taza wrote, cast out demons. So what's our commission? That's it. Proclaim the good news. And then, heal the sick, raise the dead. I know it's possible to raise the dead. I've been involved in it twice. God is faithful. You trust him in the end of Mark 16, verses 17 and 18. says the same thing. These signs shall follow them that believe. Same list. They'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. We can raise the dead, cast out demons, cleanse the lepers. Well, what if you want to be a school teacher? Well, be a school teacher. Preach the gospel. 
Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Anybody know where the verse is where Jesus tells us to pray for the sick? Not a hand raised. You guys are good. You know. <laughs> nice try, Ava. I was tricking you. I uh, was pre- preaching one Sunday. I said, how, how many of you read Matthew 29? A bunch of hands went up. I said, well, you folks stay. Everybody else can leave. There is no Matthew 29. When I went in the ministry in 1978, I was, that's a long story. Take an hour to tell you about how I got there. Pastor in the Methodist Church. And I, we'd been doing Bible studies, and when I got there, I knew a little bit about the Bible. I thought I knew quite a bit about the Bible, but I started realizing I didn't know a whole lot about the Bible. But the people in the church knew a lot less about the Bible than I did. So I committed to read through the entire Bible every year. That was in 1978. I've missed a day or two here or there for vacation or emergencies. So I figured probably 42 times I've read through the Bible. Different, I've read different, different versions and I stay away from paraphrases. So probably 42 times, maybe 43 times in 45 years. How long does it take? 20 minutes a day. CBN has a Bible reading program. You go to CBN, they have a spiritual link. Oh, I forgot how it is. But you sign up for their program, and every day they send you a link with these passages. So you go click on a link, and you go read the passages. You can just read them, or you can click on the audio link and read them while somebody else is reading them so you hear it, or you can read them out loud. However you do it, do it. I have a challenge for you. Don't want to show hands. Think about how much time you spend on social media. Spend at least as much time in the Word as you spend on social media. If you, I read, I read a proverb every night. The last thing I do before I go to bed is read a proverb. I guarantee you, if you read a proverb every night this week, by next Sunday you will be able to tell me, oh, guess what I learned? Guess what I found out about wisdom? Guess what I found out about generosity? It doesn't take long to read one proverb. There's one for every day of the week, of the month. There are some extras in February, a few, few months that only have 30 days. If you read five Psalms every day, you can get through the entire book of Psalms in a minute, in a month. It sounds a little daunting, but it's really not. And you discover it can be a lot of fun. So my challenge to you is put away the social media, put away the pew packs, get in the Word. Have the, uh, the worship team and the prayer team come up Please, this time. Well, they're coming. I want to tell you about Mrs. Murphy. Mrs. Murphy taught the fifth grade Sunday school class. 
They were doing pretty good. Trying to get them to memorize scripture. One Sunday on the way home, little Johnny's mother said, well, what'd you learn today? He said, a lie is an abomination to the Lord and a very present help in time of trouble. <laughs> Two weeks later on the way home, he said, I, I, I don't think I want to be a Christian anymore. Why not? Well, we were doing Psalm 23. It said, surely good Miss Murphy will follow me all the days of my life. <laughs> Matthew 4, 4, Jesus said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word proceeds out of the mouth of God. If you're going to live by it, you've got to know it. Read it, get into it, memorize it. Do a little better job than little Johnny did of memorizing. And to quote Arnold Schwarzenegger, when he quoted Jesus, I'll be back. 